Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what divides us. My name is Rocky. My guests today are Sam and Emily, and we're talking about Fallout Boy again. Once again. Forever. <laughs> yeah. The, the grind never stops. Um, the Fallout Boy grind never stops. But today's a special one. <laughs> we're talking about their first and so far only remix album. I can't imagine why. Um, Make America Psycho again. Yup, we sure mm-hmm. are. We we sure are talking about Fallout Boy's first and only remix album, Make America Psycho Again. Album feels like a strong word. Album yes. is, is an interesting word for it. Yeah, uh, yes. there there we'll get into it. There are definitely very few of these that feel like uh, songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Remix is definitely a word. That is remix yeah. is is a good one to use. Yeah, but you know the people at home. Uh, might not know about this one. It's, uh, when we last talked Fallout Boy, we talked about American Beauty, American Psycho, their 2015 album. Um, that one was a bit of a surprise for me. I had heard it several times before, but I, I didn't like it up to that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, this is pretty good, actually. Especially the title track. Um, mm-hmm. th- uh, this one is sort of one of the ones, one of the things that, like, I wanted to talk about on a podcast before I had even started this one. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of history about this album, so once we get into it, we're going to be really getting into it. But first, uh, our news segment, dun 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 what's pulpin'? We have a couple things to talk about. Uh, Cobra Starship is back. Cobra Starship is back! <laughs> Cobra Starship is back! They are going to be playing Viva La Cobra front to back at when we were young fest 2024 and i'm gonna have to go because i'm gonna have to go listen to one day robots will cry live and uh make like a robot and burst into mm-hmm. tears mm-hmm. big day for people who cried in their freshman year of high school math class because cover starship broke up big day for all of us <laughs> you, you held out listen i am so glad that i only started listening to cobra starship after they broke up because where i was uh when they broke up, not a good place to be listening to mm-hmm. Cobra Starship. It's very interesting because w- with MCR, it's like you know they were all still making music and they they kind of flirted with they like played with each other sometimes. Um, Cobra Starship, it it seemed like they were like 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 Gabe is a manager now. That's what you yeah. do when I'm- you're not going to make music anymore. Yeah, I mean, out no in a pool for five years. <laughs> no, because Gabe's ba- Gabe's been back with Midtown for the last year. Or so, year and a half. They played some summer festival, and that's why I have a gray jacket, a gray vest now, because I saw a photo of Gabe Supporter wearing one and went, "Oh, I need to wear that." Uh, you gotta have that, yeah. Yeah, uh, he has been doing music again, not like making it, but definitely playing it. Yeah, you there know. was definitely, and there were like precursors to this for a little bit. In that, you know, they released that unreleased track like last year, and the parody um, track. Going back to Apparently, their roots. Yeah. They um they tweeted something about water parks a couple weeks ago. I think there might be something there also. Uh, <laughs> okay. If you insist. <laughs> we'll see. I like water parks. I've I've listened to I've I've technically seen water parks twice. <laughs> and have retained nothing from them. So, um other things in the news. 
Madam Web. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to talk about Madam Web for a moment. He was in the Amazon with my mom studying spiders before she died. <laughs> yeah. I I don't believe when, I'm familiar. He was in the Amazon with my mom when she was studying spiders. <laughs> yes, sorry, she died. I get that he wrong. wasn't necessarily studying spiders. We all know the line by heart, of course. Um, <laughs> Madam Web is the, is the latest entry in the Sony Spider-Man universe, uh, uh-huh. which di- which does not feature Spider-Man. <laughs> um, Dakota Johnson is Madam Web. It is directed by S.J. Clarkson, who is most known for the uh, Bachelor Party episode of Succession. Sydney Sweeney is in it. Uh, <laughs> Adam Scott is in it. Oh. The thing with oh. <laughs> that's a name I know. The thing with putting Dakota Johnson at the front of a superhero movie is, I think Dakota Johnson is a good actor. I, I she can be at least, and she has like this very off kilter energy that really works when it's paired with the right uh, film. She can't really sell like urgency. <laughs> she also famously is not someone who's gonna fake enthusiasm about something like <laughs> yeah bad choice. We, yep you know next year there's going to be one mcu movie there's gonna be one dc movie and there's gonna be three sony spider-man movies <laughs> venom fans coming out on top forever venom, we got venom 3 we got craven the hunter i feel like the sony spider-man universe is kind of the riverdale of the <laughs> superhero cray (laughs) like it's gonna be around in 10 years and everyone's gonna be like really (laughs) they're uh you're you're telling me madam webb's gonna have the epic highs and lows of high school football basically i mean i mean he was in the he was in the amazon Amazon. with my mom when she was studying spiders right before she died literally he was in the amazon with my mom studying spiders right before she died in the amazon (laughs) in the amazon When she was studying spiders. Studying the titular web. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched this trailer, so I'm just hearing this. <laughs> you gotta. <laughs> it took me so long to realize that Dakota Johnson was uh, not Dakota Fanning. Classic <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> We've all been there. Um, the other thing I did want to touch on, and I'm waiting for the page to load right now, probably it'd be easier to just look at the Wikipedia, the Grammy nominations. Oh. I'm just gonna take a second here to get this, to get this, uh, Wikipedia, because I, I can't, I can't with the actual Grammy website, it's too much. It's one of the worst websites ever. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna try with that. Um, so bad, so bad. Um. I can't wait to look at this and not know any names some of the big things here um we have in album of the year uh john baptiste who won last year and seems to be getting that residual like well he won last year boy genius okay they i know them yeah yeah and and you know fair um miley cyrus who is a little bit of a surprise uh for her bad album endless summer vacation yeah. no one talked about that album i didn't know she had an album this year it's no good it it goes in some weird directions in like the back half but like from her previous album uh plastic hearts was it like, like, like she had this really good album and it was like mm-hmm. okay she's doing this rock thing it works for her and then she just did this generic ass pop album where she doesn't know what she's doing and ugh, you hate to see it, hate to see it. Mm-hmm. Lana Del Rey did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard she keeps cranking them out 
Listen, you know I got a person. She's got she's got her own little corner there. I just I think about whenever I talk about Lana, I'm like, well, I like Norman fucking Rockwell, and then I look at it and it's like she's put out like four albums since then. <laughs> she's working. She's not touring, but she is putting shit out all the time. Yeah, Janelle Monae, Age of Pleasure, great album. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Olivia Rodrigo, who uh, who was also a a big player. Uh, with her previous album, now she's got a, a better album. Um, Taylor Swift, who, you know, you can never count out that Taylor Swift's going to win Album of the Year. Uh, uh, midnight <laughs> this year. It was, so the Grammy eligibility window is October of the previous year to September of this year. So Midnight's came out in 2022, but but is nominated for the 2024 Grammy. <laughs> awesome. That's regular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool and good um and SZA which I can't I can't count out either oh I love that album oh Paramore's nominated in some stuff for the rock category yeah some good stuff for Paramore in there I do actually find it a little interesting at least that Fallout Boy is not nominated (laughs) you know (laughs) I think there should be a special category for we didn't start the fire oh Stardust was good. Just a special, just a special honor there, because that's the thing. Though, so much for Stardust, it was like an acclaimed album, Mm -hmm. a commercially successful album, uh, sort of returned to form, like more like formally just rock. You know, it it seems like the moment to nominate Fallout Boy. Uh, And then I thought about it, and you know, they only have two Grammy nominations. (laughs) They've never won. It's uh, nominated. Nice. That's a great song. No, the whole record. Oh, the whole record. Yeah, that makes sense because that was this year. Because Fall Out Boy, it was, they were nominated for Rock Album for Mania, which is crazy. Oh, Why that one? <laughs> okay. They were not, sure. And they, lost, and they lost to Greta Van Fleet, which, which is oh, also. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, and uh, Greta Van Fleet, who, by the way, is nominated this year. No one could have told me they had an album. Uh, um, and the their other thing was Best New Artist in 2006, which they lost to John Legend. Okay, that's fair. Okay, well, yeah. yeah. I think the thing with Fall Out Boy is their best music was also, like, not that they weren't obscure, I think, by the time Folly Do came out, necessarily. Like, they were very popular, oh, but, they were big, but, like... But people fucking hated Folly. Yeah, people hated Folly, but also, like, there was, like, that moment when they came back after Save Rock and Roll, like, between Save Rock and Roll and Make America, no, American Media, American Psycho, how could I mix up these names, where suddenly, like, (laughs) regular people knew who Fall Out Boy was, like, across the board. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think Sentry's being, like, one of the biggest songs ever for some reason. Everywhere. (laughs) Mm. But, I mean, the Phoenix, the Phoenix was... The beginning of it though yeah yeah i mean really uh i light him up was kind of the beginning um True. they did the comeback thing and it worked for them in a to an absurd degree and that actually kind of ties into some yes. of the things we talk about here but i think the other thing with fallout boy if you look at the time that they like were coming out and were in their like pre-hiatus like you know making really good music era um mm. You look at who the Grammys were nominating for the rock categories, like like in in two thousand eight, which would be the year that like that's when Folly came out. 
Yeah, but it would be their 20, 2007 um, Infinity. album, which I don't... In, Infinity, Infinity, that's right. The Grammy rock album nominees that year were Foo Fighters, Daughtry, John Fogarty, Bruce Springsteen, and Wilco. So, like... <laughs> Shout out Wilco. <laughs> Shout out Wilco. Another thing is sure. the news. Um, shout, out, <laughs> shout out certain family members of Wilco, but shout not out. all of them. I feel like there's something about the Grammy nomination. I, I read uh, over the summer, I read Where Are Your Boys Tonight, uh, which mm-hmm. is the oral history of the emo scene, 1998 to 2008. Recommend. Mm-hmm. Very good read. Uh, and I think they talk about the Grammy nom in there, but they're mostly talking about like why Fallout Boy went on hiatus in 2008. Mm-hmm. And it's because they were like tearing each other apart. Classic stuff. But I think that that whole that whole emo scene didn't really get the recognition for. I mean, no. MCR has like one Grammy nomination, mm-hmm. and it's in like the limited box set category. Like uh, Paramore started getting nominations when they came back, but yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of a thing where like now feels like the moment where Fallout Boy. I mean, clearly they can get nominated for best rock album, so they made a rock album, and yeah. it's nowhere to be seen. But yeah, so as we were saying, they come back. 2013 they are somehow so much bigger than ever before they had hits in their in their early like thanks for the memories was a hit you know they Mm -hmm. they were on the radio and on mtv and all that but they come back and they're somehow so huge and they're the only rocket band that like gets on the radio um Uh, until yeah um they do abap centuries is (laughs) the biggest song of all time Mm -hmm. and uh as they're touring it Nine months later, they're like, hey, we're putting out a remix album next week. <laughs> yep. Sure did. Again, there's not a lot of history for some reason. They don't, they haven't really uh, <laughs> dove deep into this one. Uh, there, hasn't, there hasn't been an oral history yet. But <laughs> they, they basically say, like, it also seems like there wasn't that much that, like, went into it. Like, they say rather than remixing the songs and asking a rapper to hop on them they like sent the songs to they like reached out to rappers they liked and were like hey do you want to do a remix of this and just work with whatever producer you you work with and um yeah so it seems like the 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 featured artists had a lot of control over how each song sounded which i think makes sense if (laughs) if you're listening to it i i was actually curious about that Partly because I got to the Azalea Banks track and it sounded mm-hmm. so not an Azalea Banks track in a way where I was like, are the beats on these songs weird because some studio cooked them up and handed them to rappers? Or is it weird because the like you can't really remix the Fall Out Boy song to make it good <laughs> for rapping? Yeah. Yeah, we we'll we'll get into the individual songs. Uh, there's a lot to be said about the Azalea Banks one. Um oh, I liked but it. I kinda liked it. It's it's good, it's not bad, yeah. but um But there's things to be said. There's things to be said. Yeah, it does seem like, you know, they were on tour and they were like, Hey, do you wanna do this? It's kind of I, you know, not not gonna make any money, but like <laughs> They were yeah. touring at the time with somebody who wound up on the record. I was True. at the Wiz Khalifa tour, summer 2014. It was it was a strange experience. I, I went, to, I, the only two times I've ever seen Fall Out Boy live was summer 2013 when they toured with Paramore. 
and summer 2014 when they toured with Wiz Khalifa. And I think like that huge shift, I, I think they were rebranding very heavily in that calendar oh, year. That is interesting. And they say, I have, I have just a few, a scant few quotes from Pete here. He says, for the most part, we tried to pick people we thought were cool, but our fan base maybe wouldn't have known yet. Um, I think okay. that does mostly carry, except for Wiz Khalifa, who was like, <laughs> who had the biggest song of 2015. Yeah. <laughs> Which song? See you, uh, See you again. But he also had like, ah. he was like an established name in pop music for five years. And and I think Juicy J doesn't quite fit that either. But, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of see that, I guess. And he also says that like, they all got their own picks which i'm not sure if that's true <laughs> uh i can't imagine this is true especially given patrick stump had a solo album where like he did work with like lupe fiasco and like some other um kind of rapid r&b people and i don't feel that circle on this album at all i could see no. maybe it being like you know patrick's like i want to get black thought on here i want to get joey mm. badass on here uh i don't know who would have picked azalea banks I, um, I don't think I don't I, I don't think Pete did to be honest with you. <laughs> like I don't know. That's gonna be more your ballpark than mine. Maybe maybe Joe. You know, Joe is it might have been yeah. Joe, might have been Andy. Who knows? I I, yeah. both of, I could see both of them, honestly, because both of them are such working musicians in a way that like mm-hmm. I don't Pete is not a working musician in that way. Patrick <laughs> yeah. Moore doing, is, but um Because he's know. doing his like label stuff. He is he is very much the the lyrics guy and is doing management parts of it. Yeah, he's sort of a he's more the social side of the band. Yeah, he's the front man. That's just what it, what he does. True. Uh, another quote I have from Pete here that maybe gets into it. This was during the mania kind of press cycle, but he said, "Look, I know we get written about like where's the rock and all that stuff. We live in a hip hop world, and we have to find a way to function within that world." <laughs> I think Fallout Boy does. There are plenty of bands that go, all right, well, that, that's walled off to it, so we just exist, and our audience is what it is. People say to us, oh, you're the band that I hear on the radio. It's us and maybe a handful of other bands, literally a handful. In order for us to do that, we have to sonically make sense. Bold? Yeah. <laughs> I I think there. Are th- I think ABAP is sort of the the peak connection of like they're working with the big pop producers they're doing like a lot of samples and you know they 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 find that middle ground the most there and they're definitely trying to do that on save rock and roll a little bit too um and then mania is obviously the (laughs) the less successful attempt at that i was gonna say i think both of those like the pop producers are so evident in save rock and roll and abap but so are like the pop lyrics and the mm. pop song titles, like, very structurally, you know, it used to be, like, this running gag of, like, the longest titles in the world are Fall Out Boy songs. And then it's, like, two words, you know, at most for, like, say, Rock and Roll and ABAP. The lyrics are really condensed. Um, they're much more succinct, generally. Like, they seem to have kind of gone through a slight commercialization process. Yeah, totally. And, but but what's also interesting is, and this is more something to talk about maybe at the end, but they had this long, this hiatus, they were broken up, um, mm-hmm. and then they came back with this redefined thing we we make this like poppy like like you know we're 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 embracing the hip-hop sounds we're embracing the pop sounds and, and and this is what we do we're more streamlined and then they had an equally long hiatus after mania <laughs> from which from which they came back and said okay we're just a rock band now <laughs> we're we're weezer now 
<laughs> made a whole music really video about it and everything. <laughs> yeah. God, what a and what a music video it is. Great music video. Kind of undoes everything Pete said in that quote you just read, Rocky. <laughs> Little bit. Um... Shout out to Pete's mom in that video. Why is she there? Isn't she a lawyer? This was clearly what they were trying at the time, and it really worked for them in a certain dose. And then it stopped working for them. Um, and I think you you can kind of probably see a similar thing with Panic at the Disco, where they went in this... I don't even know what you'd call the direction they went in. They certainly went in one. Steampunk twins comfort you in a bathroom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dallin Weeks. They they went from having a bunch of different really good lyricists, and then those guys all left. But they have this uh, tremendous pop success. They have, like, solid pop success with Death of a Bachelor, and then tremendous pop success with um, with High Hopes, really. And then they, they do the- they do- not the same thing, but they continue on that path with the next album, and it doesn't really work. And then they're like, yeah, we're- yeah, this is over. <laughs> As soon as they, they're like, okay, we found it, we're doing this pop thing, we have to, we have to, you know, make this work. And then when it doesn't work, it, everything falls apart. As soon as, as soon as the third Ryan Ross diss track didn't go over well, <laughs> it was like, okay, fine, we're done. So let's get into the record. Let's get into the record. <laughs> Can we start with the title? Can we start with the title? Let's start with the, the title, the Make title. America <laughs> Make America Psycho again. Um, I, I think I referenced this in a term paper in college. That's awesome. Just the title? Uh, just the title, because uh, I was talking about uh, the myth of the past being better. Mm. And how this kind of made fun of it. I didn't even look at when this album was released. I knew the exact month and year based on this title alone. Like, this is such a carbon-dated, immediately, like, pre-Trump thing. October 2015. You know it has to be when Trump is around, but not when he's serious. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's in the same era where, like, Trump could still host SNL. Yeah. Which I think, when was the God. Trump SNL? That might have actually been It was been literally the same October month. 2015, or September yeah. 2015, maybe, because I remember he did the Hotline oh Ring bit, which I think dropped in August or September of that the year. Hotline. Jesus. Yeah, that's right. It was uh, November 2015, November yes. 7th. It was a week after this album came out. <laughs> oh. oh my God. This is, this is the most carbon dated thing I've ever. Like, I chew the week. You can tell when this album came out. Literally. <laughs> I just reversed yeah, it to it. It's so bad. <laughs> oh, you think America was great? Well, I think it was pretty psycho. Psycho <laughs> <laughs> again! What if we went back to that? We need to be a little more... <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. I don't like saying that word. Um, the, the cover art, um, I think, speaks a little bit to uh, how quick the turnaround was on this. <laughs> Really it's really part of the same photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, just like an alt take with like a red filter. Yeah, I don't know. Let let let's just go track by track and and see if oh. we can make sense of this. No, no. Now I need to check when I texted you. I think I texted you during the first track. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Irresistible with Migos. And um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
If you look at where Migos is at this point, it, it it is kind of what Pete said. They are very much known entities in hip-hop. They had their first breakout with Versace. They had the feature from Drake. They're like, okay, these are going to be the next big thing. They haven't had Bad and Bougie yet. They haven't had, like, the huge mainstream breakthrough. So your average Fallout Boy fan has probably not heard one of their songs. I think this is, like, right when Migos would have gotten big and then that was redundant. Sorry. <laughs> Produced by Zaytoven, who produced Versace, produced a lot of Migos' big hits, worked with like Gucci Mane Future, big in the Atlanta um, trap scene, sort of synonymous with it. The this this remix it, it 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 very quickly reveals sort of the issue with the model of this project because they sent they sent the artist these songs and said remix them however you want, but when you're handed these Patrick Stump vocals. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out how to make like a a beat that <laughs> that Migos mm-hmm. can <laughs> can rap over, and F- Patrick Stump can sing with these Fallout Boy vocals over. It- it's a very tough uh, tightrope to walk. It is, yeah, so sonically difficult to listen yeah. to many of these songs. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. it- it's not even like. There's a degree to which it doesn't even clash enough to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's just the safest choice in every option because there's no good option for any of it. There's some little things that just kind of seem like again this thing being rushed. Migos verses are censored for some reason. That seems like it was an yeah. error error with uh, which version they uploaded. I think mm-hmm. um, it's censored on the genius, and I'm like, really. I, I think Migos, like, a year or two later, when they had done some more, like, aggressive songs and played with different kinds of producers, they could maybe find a way to make this work. <laughs> but at this point, it's really tough. I, d- I do like uh, Take Off's verse, the second uh, Migos verse. Um, Offset was in prison at this time, so it's just the two of them, uh, Quavo mm-hmm. and Take Off. But yeah, I did think his verse had some, like, good storytelling, good flow, kind of added a little... Mm-hmm. more texture to the to, to, to the story but yeah <laughs> sort of a taste of what you're getting into you know yeah it doesn't it just also like doesn't have there's a silliness to certain like migos verses from this time period that like that's mm-hmm. what i associate with them and it doesn't necessarily have that for me mm-hmm. um like, there's a little bit of that but then it's also trying to go over irresistible which is such a that's not my favorite song in the world there's like one thing they say the whole time. Um, I, I I think my yeah. thing was this also kind of retroactively made a lot of these songs fall apart for me a little bit. Where like all of a sudden yeah. I'm listening to the lyrics way more than you should for ABAP. Um, yeah, <laughs> album I like to be clear, yeah, but- just not one that like holds up under crazy scrutiny. That's an interesting point because like there are there are Fallout Boy eras where they would kind of benefit from... But where they'd benefit from, like, you're listening to hip-hop, you're listening to the lyrics. Like, ABAP was the era where... Not not to say they were trying the least with the lyrics, but they were going for something more middle-of-the-road. Yeah, it, it wasn't <laughs> the focus the way that it used to be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and the way that it is more so on some of their more recent stuff. God, now I'm just thinking about the fucking line from that one Daisy Grenade song that Pete wrote, where they say, Hey Pete, love the song, what the fuck does it mean? (laughs) Which is so real. 
Speaking to what Sam was saying about uh, undermining the songs, the second track is the title track, American Beauty, American Psycho, with ASAP Ferg as the feature. (laughs) And, um, you know, that was a song Um, that, as I was saying, I really, I I disliked for the longest time. And then listening to it for the episode on it, I was like, this is actually maybe my favorite song on the album. That's a song that I don't think we were ready for when that came out. Like, there's something so hyper digital about it that was not happening at the Mm. time. Yeah, I didn't know that Sebastian had produced it, and when I listened to it, I thought oh. of it as like an, I mean, Fall Out Boy has obviously done the hyperpop thing a little bit now, mm. um, but this, like, that kind of early crossroads of it, it really worked for me. But again, it's already a producer-driven song, and now you have a different producer, you have Tony Fad, mm. who is most known for um, Trap Queen by Fatty Wap, another kind of, you know, carbon dating this album. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Tony Fad, again, he had one of the biggest songs of that year, and that's why they have him on two songs on this record. Or again, I mean, I guess two rappers went to him. I don't really know if that that's totally the case. Um, he's not that skilled a producer. I mean, he's fine. But, but he has, again, a sort of Herculean juggling act here that he can't really pull off. He's a fine producer, but in order to undo the producing that had already been on this song to then reproduce it for a remix you need someone who like can actually be very surgical about it and i think has like the full mastery of their tools and i don't necessarily like it just did you guys ever like experiment with like dj apps when you were like in middle school or something and you like didn't Mm -hmm. take anything away you just kept putting things on top of each other because that's what so much of this feels like to me yeah Yeah. That's a really good way to describe it. Um, ASAP Ferg. <laughs> his verse. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like his verse because it's very uh-huh. him and very, like, <laughs> you know, uh, like off the wall and silly in, in, in a way that I think he's the kind of guy who shoots a Fallout Boy remix more than, mm-hmm. like, Migos does. I think, I think putting the line, her booty look pregnant, I hop on that ass like I'm riding an elephant, is truly so insane. Yeah. I have to respect it. I was like waiting at the bus stop listening to this, and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck am I listening to? I'm just hearing America, 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 yeah. America, 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 yeah. Perfect. He just keeps saying it. President, I'm flying like a pelican hitting your chick, you think it's too celibate? <laughs> Her body looks so delicate, what stomach is flat, her booty looks pregnant, her booty looks pregnant, I hop on that ass like I'm riding an elephant, no one's ever done it better, I, this is so insane. Just look at the gelatin. This, <laughs> look at the gelatin. Ferg is like someone who, he was also really in that spot where it's like blew up in 2013, was definitely one of the big names in hip hop. Someone who doesn't really listen to hip hop might have heard the name, but wouldn't really know his music. But he's kind of an interesting one because he never really had the the pop breakthrough that would would have put him at like that Migos level. Like he had the he had a, a very ill conceived pop album in 2016 that I'd love to do an episode on eventually. Um, but then he, you know, kind of kept doing his own thing. hasn't put out anything in a while. I kind of miss him because again, he has this very fun and silly energy that for the for yeah. like through the end of his verse i was like okay i kind of get this and then when they tried to transition over to fall out boy it was like okay this doesn't really work yeah it's so 
it's so insane. Like, I, it's just the whiplash, especially because the lyrics on this are not necessarily insightful. But followers, at least, like, they're trying to do some sort of edgy commentary mm-hmm. here. And then you just have her booty looks pregnant in the middle of it. It's such a total clash. I, I guess, in a sense, I admire that Ferg doesn't, like, try to continue the themes of the original song at all. <laughs> yeah, that's a way to put it. <laughs> Like I think there's I think there's cases like when Migos is trying to like expound on what irresistible is about, like they they lose some of the fun of like <laughs> being Migos. Um Ferg is just like, fuck it, I'm gonna do my own thing. It's a problem that starts coming up over and over as you go through the album, that Ferg has his verse and then he's like gone for the rest of the song, and you're just listening to a, a bad yep. hip hop remix of a Fun Up Boy song. <laughs> <laughs> so track three <laughs> track three centuries with juicy j this um the legendary yeah yeah this this kind of breaks the mold because juicy j had an academy award by the time this album came out mm-hmm. and he had like the biggest song of the previous year with katie perry um she's a beast i call her karma she's your heart out like jeffrey dahmer um mm. <laughs> So it's interesting with the Centuries remix, because again, what what Pete said was, we just sent these songs to them and they could do whatever they want. This is the only one that doesn't have a new producer I, I it's it's possible that juicy j was like i'll just add my own verse and like remix the song myself but it also seems like maybe they were like we kind of want this to maybe work commercially and so if you could because mm-hmm. the, the, the fact that it sounds so similar to centuries it honestly is kind of just like centuries with less shit on it you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, like yeah. like centuries just from a production standpoint is like that tim robinson sketch and this one is kind of like just just a slightly cleaner version <laughs> of the song i wonder if part of that and this is a question i have about uma thurman too is that centuries is already a sample of tom's diner true which is a beat mm. that has been sampled a lot in like hip-hop and dance music in the last like 30 something years it's it, you know it's got that very consistent and like gets recirculated and so i wonder if that helps with the verse a lot because it's so familiar and used and already not a fallout boy beat yeah this this one feels the most like of all the tracks on this album it's like you know, Juicy J hopped on the Centuries remix. What's that going to sound like? It's going to mm-hmm. mostly sound like Centuries with a with a phoned in Juicy yeah. J version at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, but it's cohesive. Yeah, it it's <laughs> it, it feels like music in a way that nothing up to this point has. <laughs> it definitely music. feels like music. <laughs> it's not a loose collection of sounds. Yeah. yeah, you know what it feels like? It feels like a Taylor's version. Mm. Mm. <laughs> okay i agree with you but putting that into the world feels so wrong <laughs> hey fallout boy was on one of those albums they were which one i don't remember one of them <laughs> they were on one of the vault oh. tracks one of them she's put out so much music too, i don't too much care. you should chill out <laughs> i'm a hater <laughs> I don't know. She should chill out. What's what's going on with her? <laughs> so she's a Kansas City Chiefs fan right now, bro. She's she's keeping it up. Um, 
No, I don't have much to say on the on the centuries remix. I think it's weird. <laughs> it's just weird. I don't know. Um, yeah. Azalea Banks. Let's talk about Azalea Banks. And the kids aren't alright. Let's talk about Azalea Banks. So this one is produced by DJ Plug, who is like more in like the SoundCloud rap scene at this time. He's worked with like he has worked with like Twenty One Savage, Lil Uzi, Future, Migos, all the all the usual suspects. Not someone who you would expect to connect with Azalea Banks, but it's possible that you know at this time in her career she was. We could talk about this time in her career, but she's, you know, floating around with different producers trying different things. It's possible that she just kind of yeah. happened to want to do something with, with DJ Plug. What was she up to at this point? Because I feel like this is the period where I lost track of her a little bit. By this point, she had already had, um, you know, obviously we're well past 212. We're past yeah. Broke with Expensive Taste, which was delayed for such a long time. She's had uh, falling, falling outs with multiple labels. She's had a ton of her big beefs. She's already known for, like, yeah. beefing with everyone, beefing with, like, I have a, a short list of beefs at this time here. Uh, <laughs> Nicki Minaj, Iggy Azalea, Erica Badu, T.I. and Tiny, Action Bronson, Rita Ora, Lily Allen, Angel Hayes, Pharrell, ASAP Rocky, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, Creation, Jim Jones, and Dominique Young Unique, among us. Others. You gotta That's give her credit for being every part of the world. <laughs> you, you you gotta hand it to her. The, I, I was really hoping to find something <laughs> about this. What I did find was uh, a, a tweet from September 20th where a fan asked Azalea what unreleased track she's most excited about, and she said, probably this Fallout Boy remix I'm about to be on, it's lit. And Fallout Boy retweeted that, and then two days later, TMZ released a video of Azalea Banks calling the gay flight attendant a f- IMMORTALS! <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, that, may, yep. that may begin to explain why <laughs> there's not a ton of uh, uh, text on, on this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I was wondering this because I truly, I had no memory that Azalea was on a Fall Out Boy track, which is such a crazy sentence to say. Like, how is no one talking about this? Yeah. But it's because she called that flight attendant. <laughs> yeah, two, two days after it was announced. Yeah, I'm just on her Wikipedia page now, and I'm... Yup. Yeah. <laughs> yup. She's she's done it all. She's... she's Gotta love her. Regrets, she's had a few. Uh... <laughs> She did it her way. She really did it her way, is the thing. She should cover my way. That would actually go so crazy now. That, that would go so- Hold that. on. She has the perfect voice for that, actually. That would oh, be amazing. Oh, oh. She needs to she needs to I do she needs to release that as like her last song, you know, like I'm done with music, <gasps> so I'm doing my way. <laughs> my way. God, she'd kill that shit. She would. I think Azalea achieve something that no one up until mm-hmm. this point on the album had. I think she has a sense of tone that, like, yep. Juicy J or ASAP Ferg or Migos maybe doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This was the this was the first one where I was like, okay, this is... this fits. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, melancholy to it. Yes. I, I also love this original track a lot. Um, Same. So I was probably a little bit biased towards it, but... It's really, I like this one a lot. I think this yeah, might be this the only one, song in this album I like. Yeah, this one was like, this This track is also a personal favorite off the original, but hearing it, I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. This mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. It, ha- it has the same vibe. It has the same 
mood to it. I I do feel like there were a couple after this that were, like, a couple solid good ones in a row, and then they just continued to exist after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah but that's true. We'll, we'll, we'll get into This that. was, like, the start to those good ones. Yeah, this is definitely the point where it's like, oh, is there something here? And I saw this clip from an interview uh, around the time of this album where someone asked Pete, like, if you could do, like, the Jay-Z and Linkin Park thing, who would you do a full Fall Out Boy album? What rapper would you work with? And... What he said was Kid Cudi, which I think makes sense, but... Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Kid Cudi, another thing that's in the news is that uh, Puff Daddy blew up Kid Cudi's car, which I just want to <laughs> mm-hmm. throw out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Azalea Banks is someone who, again, has this command of tone and, and you know, this vocal uh, elasticity. Like, she's someone who... <laughs> In the world where Azalea Banks could do a full album with Fallout Boy, it would probably be pretty good. Mm-hmm. In another life, I, I she I do wish she rapped for longer on this track, though. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's my main thing is because I, I have the genius pulled up uh, in front of me, and you know her verse is relatively long, but she raps like right at the start and doesn't really come back that much throughout the song. Like it's kind of more, she almost does like a spoken word intro. It feels like. Totally. Um, she. It, it's funny that she tweeted multiple times about this and was like, I'm so excited about this because it feels a little more phoned in, even though, it, even though it's really good and added yeah. better than the other remixes on here. But like, yeah, I don't think she actually like got in the studio with fallout boy, but no, uh, it, it's all interesting. I wonder if something if stuff got cut from this track. Oh, that's interesting. Because because there would have been a month there to and you know the flight attendant. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the flight attendant. Can't forget the poor gay flight attendant. <laughs> well, I, hope, I hope that guy's doing well. Yeah. Do you think he thinks about that, like, when he's in the club and 212 comes on? I bet it's on his, like, like, dating app profile. (laughs) It's gotta be, right? Yeah. I would milk that forever. Absolutely. So, um, Uma Thurman with Wiz Khalifa. This one's pretty okay. I need to talk about one specific line in this verse. Okay. But please do the history part first. This, I think it, I think you look at this in centuries and it's like Wiz Khalifa had one, had the biggest hits this year. Um, Juicy J was on one of the biggest hits last year. Like there clearly is a bit of calculus of like, maybe this will work as a single. And again, they did tour with Wiz Khalifa this summer before this comes out. Yeah, there's definitely more of that. Like, they're kind of converging at this point in terms of, like, they tried to kind of find this, like, where where do Wiz Khalifa and Fall Out Boy meet in terms of vibe and audience? Mm-hmm. And they kind of ended up with, like, the Uma Thurman video, like, where we, we have these wild parties with all these celebrities, <laughs> you know? It's very strange. <laughs> this one's produced by ID Labs, which is a collective that... Does like all the Wiz Khalifa stuff. Did a lot of the Mac Miller stuff too. A lot of that like stoner rap stuff from this era. This verse has the most unexpected line in the entire record, sure. and that is even counting everything that was going on in the ABAP remix. Okay, I think I know which one you're about to say. Uh, so the line is. I just canceled that old show, so I'm about to get a new girl. My new girl is too dull. I'm Brad Pitt in the cool world. <laughs> He's Brad Pitt in cool world, baby. Because <laughs> I was not expecting to hear on the Fallout Boy record, 
a reference to Cool World, the 1982 <laughs> semi-animated film by Ralph Bakshi. Now, especially given that the line, like two lines down, is "You be the teacher, I'm the student, and I can beat it up, but just don't think that I'm abusive." Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. what is happening in this verse? What is going on? Yeah, <laughs> he's so he's Brad Pitt in Cool World. <laughs> Brad Pitt in Cool World. His new girl is too dull. Yeah. He's but but Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt is not like the the cool one in Cool World, really. <laughs> no. Also, Carbon dating this with a new girl reference. Um, beautiful, <laughs> just mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, in what sense is he Brad Pitt in Cool World? <laughs> like in I don't know. I'm- I think he's just kind of manifesting that. Like he's just putting that in the world. He says that to himself. Every- he says, like, "I'm Brad Pitt in the cool world." world. Of like, oh, I created you. And you're oh. coming to life. Mm, okay. That that could be an interpretation. Like you're too dumb. But then I'm he does the like... feminist twist of she's the teacher, he's the student. Yeah. Which, which I guess I guess I see how that dynamic plays in Cool World also. But it's just one of those things where you don't expect to be hearing about Cool World on a on a in... song on a song called Uma Thurman. <laughs> On a song called Uma Thurman. <laughs> the movie reference. On a remix album from a Fallout Boy album. I'm, I'm actually coming back around on Brad Pitt and Cool World because of the multimedia clash that is already happening in Uma Thurman. It's oh fine. my god, yeah. It's, it's a collage. Very true. We've got like four different things going in there. Very true. I, cool World yeah. really ties yeah. the room together. <laughs> cool World really ties the room together. So I don't like this. <laughs> fucking cool <laughs> my thing with this one i just think the production is doing so much it's going for yeah. again the thing with the discontinuity of this record it's going for something totally different from the other songs on here this is going for yeah. something that they can play on tour and it plays well for a crowd mm-hmm. at like a festival yeah because mm-hmm. yeah, they don't ultimately change the beat that much which again i think is because they're already sampling something on Uma Thurman. Um, Monsters track. Monsters, classic Monsters sample. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, they like, it's like they jangled keys over the beat. Like, that's what it sounds totally, like. Totally, totally. Just doing all this EDM shit, and it's like, I, I again, I think you play this at, like, Coachella, and <laughs> this mm-hmm. is the version you play, but it's just not pleasant to listen to, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I don't really like Wiz. I, I think he phones it in every time. <laughs> He does this thing that, like, I guess I respect in theory, where he'll just, like, not rhyme for, like, half the verse. He's just... like Brad Pitt in the cool world, like that. Yeah, he's he's cool kind of like Brad Pitt in cool world, in that sense. He's literally just like Brad. I'm always saying this. Is just like <laughs> I'm Brad always Pitt saying <laughs> Everyone knows this and everyone says this. The next track is... My favorite on on this version of the album, just to just to get ahead of that, and one of my least favorites on the original album, actually, uh, Jetpack mm. Blues with Big Crit. Yeah, they made this song yeah. good. They dare I say no? I don't. Know, maybe not okay. good. But they made it listenable. That okay? That's fair. What what what's cool about this one? I mean, first of all, 
Big Crit is actually like a part of the song. Like it feels like he's mm-hmm. he's he's making something new out of it uh, in a way that nothing else on this album does. I also think Childish Major as a producer is just because he comes from this more. He's done the trap stuff, but he's a little more R and B. He's worked with like SZA and Earth Gang and that and and those types of people. So he can kind of he he he's just played with uh, a wider variety of sounds and has this more earthy, soulful thing going on. And he's able to create this kind of noir vibe that I think really is cool. <laughs> I liked this one. This was one, you know, part of the part of the you know couple ones in a row that were like good. Mm. Uh. Not not sure if uh, we're, we're counting Numa Thurman in there. Uh, <laughs> might have zoned out during that one and got blindsided by Cool World, but sure. this one I liked. I liked the verses on this because there it was more than one verse. First off, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. helps, which definitely helps. But it definitely fit the themes. It fit the themes yeah. a lot better. It feels like he had heard this song before he started writing his. Verse. <laughs> That's a good way of putting yes. it. Yes. <laughs> about uh, them. I also I did like the increased tempo. I thought the increased yeah. tempo was it worked for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 sort of had the vibes of uh you know jetpack jet set mm-hmm. uh traveling a lot because yeah I'm doing music but I'm not with you when I want to be type beat yeah and yeah. I like that yeah I think he's Eventually. doing he's definitely doing the storytelling thing which which is kind of what he's known for he's he's similar to asap ferg in the sense that he was someone who was like well-known new school hip-hop guy hadn't broken through in the mainstream but it was like it's gonna happen and then it kind of didn't but where ferg kind of fell off the map big crit has just been putting out really good albums uh just kind of grinding i think migos attempted something similar to this on irresistible they tried to sort of make it a story and add more of this like relationship drama element to it but that is not really what migos is best at Mm -hmm. and it is what Mm -mm. what big crit is best at the other thing is uh, the thing i was saying at the beginning about how it's it's such a herculean task to try and make patrick's vocals work yeah the childish major knows what mm-hmm. to do with patrick's vocals like they work on this oh yeah they work on this this also like this the vocals on jetpack blues generally i feel like would also be a little bit easier to work because they're in that lower register they're more consistent i feel like you know like it's it's kind of this ballad in a weird way mm-hmm. it's not like whatever's happening um not whatever i, I gotta put some respect on patrick Stump's name. Um, but you know what I mean, the other songs. Yeah, yeah, and I think the, yeah. the where he uses, like, filters over Patrick's vocals, too, it almost makes it feel like a sample yeah. at times in a way that adds to the yeah. vibe of the whole thing. This one, I think, really works. Yeah, this I one like really this works, one a yeah. lot. I like this one. This next one's one that I really want to talk about. Novocaine with Uzi. Is this the one they slowed down? Mm-hmm. I believe yeah, so. Yeah, they slow up and do a lot of reverb on it. Yes. Oh, and it had the like plunky keys on it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like Novakin is already a weird song, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Someone might 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 listen might listen up to this point and think, oh, they did one with Lil Uzi Vert. That is no, also sir. what I thought. Mm-hmm. This is Uzi. Uh, a a SoundCloud rap duo, um, mm-hmm. sort of more on the pop side of the genre. Uh, they're from Illinois. 
Um, their two members are Gabe right. and Mike, that's G-A-B-3 and M-I-K-3. Uzi's work is considered influential in the, they, they, you know, they have this woozy, bassy trap sound that I think you still hear a lot of influence in today. They were doing it in, like, the early 10s. They, like, started doing this stuff on SoundCloud. They moved to LA. They did a video for Creation. That got them hooked up with ASAP Mob, and then they were, you know, they were actually in one of the ASAP Ferg videos, um, the Shaba video, I think. And then through that, they met with Khalifa. And so, when Fall Out Boy gives them the call, the way that Gabe tells it is like, we were like, are you sure? <laughs> and Pete was like, you're the guys hanging around with, with Wiz, right? And they were like, yeah. So, Uzi is not someone who 95% of, of, of hip-hop listeners would know either. But, yeah, this gets into the section of the album that I think is the least interesting from a music standpoint, but the most interesting from a music history standpoint um, between Uzi and OG Mako and I Love a Conan. Because these are uh, people people in the SoundCloud rap kind of scene who are less like commercial names mm-hmm. than, than the people we've heard up to this point. And I think it sort of speaks to, you know, now if you talk about the like... Uh, I guess kind of indie or alternative hip hop sounds that are that are very popular online. You're talking about like rage and you know this mm-hmm. this like mashy like like whole lot of red kind of sound that um, this this album sort of exists at this weird crossroads where it's like SoundCloud rap is still this kind of like cloudy stoner uh, stuff. It hasn't really evolved to that to have those rock influences yet. And this is sort yeah. of a point where it's like, if this was a year later and it was all SoundCloud rap stuff, it 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 would have it would have been lightning in a bottle. This also does have such this sound on how they remix this feels so specific to what you're talking about too. Yeah. Like, you know, the title of this album carbon dates it, but also like the specific editing on Novocaine is so much like insert X song trap remix. You know, that used to get like circulated on Tumblr and Twitter all the time. Absolutely. Oh yeah. This is this is slowed down ten percent reverb version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the way the production is kind of stripped back sort of highlights the worst parts of Novocaine. Again, it's that thing where it's like you're just hearing the vocals. You you have to listen to the lyrics. You're not getting any of that. You're mm-hmm. hearing the tune, which is not not very good. Um, no. You know, there's there's none of the yeah. the like rock sounds over it to kind of drown it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the best parts of Novocaine are the percussion. Mm-hmm. Like, every time I hear that song, I do feel like, oh, you know, I feel the rush addicted to your touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I listen to the lyrics, and I'm like, this is so much what it felt like, like, being 13 and being like, I'm going to go to a protest. I'm going to wear a black ski mask. I'm so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this was a very, <laughs> I am 14, 15, and I am listening to this song. And it makes me feel like a badass mm-hmm. in this moment, but like, uh, also I'm fourteen, fifteen. Mm-hmm. I still think cigarettes are bad, but this song makes me feel. <laughs> this this song yeah. makes me feel like I'm walking away from an explosion, but the explosion is like my yes. social life because I'm fifteen. And Gabe's verse is like fine, but kind of whatever, you know. Obviously, I think this sound, this like SoundCloud era, you know. Again, again, uh, Uzi is sort of more in this like pop more melodic sphere and it feels like he's kind of trying to do more of a hip-hop verse mm-hmm. in, in a way that doesn't really doesn't really work mm-hmm. 
Well, the next one is interesting. Oh god, what's the next one? The next one is 4th of July with OG Mako, and OG Mako is a very interesting figure, kind of someone who I wish had had stuck around in the industry more. Like, he's still around, and he's still theoretically making music, but he was another SoundCloud rap guy. He blew up with, you guessed it, in 2014. He had this very, like you know, jagged and aggressive kind of style. He could do a lot of different things with his voice. He did the I Just Found 12 Bricks song. That's the one! God, I forgot about that. <laughs> Great track. Love it. But, but you know, he's funny, and he's wild, and he's, you know, unpredictable. Um, he never really had, like, the mainstream breakout. Uh, he got in a, a bad car accident in, like, 2016 mm-hmm. that sort of set him back, and then he had, like, a like a flesh-eating virus after that. Oh my god. Yeah, he's had a rough go of it, for sure. He's, I think like, I heard about that. doing better now and talking about putting out new music, but the moment kind of passed him by in a way that I, I think is uh, unfortunate. But he's someone who, again can be aggressive, can be wild, can 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 maybe match the vocal intensity of of Patrick mm-hmm. Stump and he kind of doesn't um yeah. He he does a little bit on the bridge, but like it, it's another case where it's like it's interesting the song itself. There's not much to talk about with it. This one I felt like he had listened to the song before writing the verse as well. Mm. Like it fit the vibe. Yeah, yeah. I think he's trying lyrically to fit the vibe. I don't know how to say this. Like it's this song sounds so much like the original mm-hmm. that I don't know that I would have even noticed his verse <laughs> if I wasn't paying attention to it because of this album. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 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 Like, it it meshes in well with the themes, so I was like, okay, this one's, you know, decent. This one's pretty good. Yeah, I think- It meshes in well, but it meshes in too well, and it, like, becomes, like- The same. What like what's the point of doing a remix at this point, especially on this album? Where theoretically, a Fall Out Boy remix album is actually like a great idea on paper. Where, like you let people go really crazy with it, but yeah. it doesn't feel like anyone went crazy with it no. on this album, but especially this track in particular. Totally, and you and you have people on here. I think OG Mako is is one of the better examples of like you know you you listen to you guessed it, and you're like this guy can go so wild and be so like unpredictable. Mm-hmm. What, like, why isn't he <laughs> doing that on the Fall Out Boy remix album? Yeah. Even even just turning the bass up one more. Little, one more that's what it was missing. It was missing bass. Little bit, yeah. Yeah, I think he does hold his own, though. I think the, his, like, bridge near the yeah. end is good. It, it's, like, not the worst on, on the album, for sure. Yeah. I like I like his verse a lot. Like, like the... I do, I do like the, the contrast... Combination contrast... Uh, of like the imagery of fireworks, burned bridges, and then yeah, the bombs go off. Watch the bombs go off. I liked that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a good. It was yeah. a good mix of symbols. Yeah, it's kind of cool. One time, I almost got banned on Twitter.com because I said that fireworks by Fall Out Boy was about a hand job. Just, <laughs> yeah, well, it's one time <laughs> I got, like, an email from Twitter. It was, like, right when they updated the moderation stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, my God. And it was... I got, like, one of those emails that's, like, we've limited your tweets visibility. And I had also tweeted a gay slur the day before. And so it had, like, a little warning attached that was, like, please stop violating our code. Oh, (laughs) so you you say... Wait, you were saying that 4th of July was about a handjob? Yeah. And not that church was about sucking dick? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Listen, 
Um, they're all about penile actions, but 4th of July, you know, there's a lot of shooting motions and stuff. I was really, I felt very certain about that in the moment, and then Twitter struck me down. Speaking of being about penile actions, let's talk about favorite record. Mm-hmm. Uh- <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Beautiful transition, Rocky. With, with I Love McConan, another very interesting figure, who, who again, um... You know, he's not doing that much with this. Um, McConan is another guy who is part of that SoundCloud rap scene, doing a lot of that, like, psychedelic all over the place sort of stuff. He was actually making music back in the MySpace days, and he was connecting with all these up and coming artists. He connected with, like, Adele before she, <laughs> before she got big. He connected nice. with, like, Lil B and Soldier Boy. Um, and then he went to cosmetology school after that. Um, he met, uh, Mike Will Made It, the, the you know, big producer in Atlanta. And um, they just kind of knew each other. But then a couple years later, he was like, I want to get back into the music thing. He does his debut project, which is called I Love McConan. One track on there, I Don't Sell Molly No More, caught the attention of Miley Cyrus, who shared it on Instagram. And then another track on that record caught the attention of Drake. That song was Tuesday. I got the club going up on a Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a great song, by the way. Drake does the remix of that. It blows up. McConan signs to Drake's label, and then, like, a little after this, he's like... I had to leave Drake's label because they weren't letting me put out my music. He 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 comes out in 2017, and then there's there's this whole thing where like Migo says something homophobic about him, and then he's you know sort of in the headlines for a while. But he sort of says that like he lost a lot of his music industry mm. connections after he came out, um, mm. which is a, which is a shame because he's a really interesting artist. And again, not he, I, I think he does his thing on this. But (laughs) there's not much going on here. Yeah. Yeah, it's a short verse. It fits the themes. It it fits the vibe, but it's just like, okay. I'm looking at the verse right now, and it actually feels like he kind of did a thesaurus word swap for, like, the lyrics that are already in the song (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) Like, it's just like, you used to, used to every night, but you played me every time. How could I be so dumb? You said I was your favorite one. Now it's true. You don't really want me the way you used to when I was always there for you. Like, your favorite records, I will spin for you. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's just, there's, like, functionally no difference between that and what Patrick Stump is saying. Yeah, he he doesn't add anything. It's very samey. And, like, okay, still not enough bass. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. There, there is the like little robot voice filter thing on like the post-chorus or whatever. That's like okay, well, that's something or the mm-hmm. pre-chorus. Um, but yeah, I, it, it sort of feels like they had a couple ideas, and then they were like, "We're putting this out in a month," and it was like, "Okay." <laughs> I do. I want to know what the turnaround for this was. Oh, would love yeah, to know because I'm, I'm curious, like if they started cooking this while they were on tour with Wiz Khalifa or. If this was like you got two weeks to write something and send it back to it, no. Yeah, it's it's really. I mean, a lot of it definitely feels rushed. It, it feels mm-hmm. like there was definitely not a lot of quality control. If Azalea Banks is tweeting about it in September, that probably that probably means that like they weren't ready to announce by then. So it. And the album came out in October, right? Yeah, it came out at the end of October, uh, and they announced yeah. it like a week before. But um, the I think the Wiz Khalifa one came out earlier in the year, though. But maybe it's like they did the one with Wiz, and then they were like, "What if we did an album?" Mm. And if the one with Wiz came out in January, it definitely would have been like at some point during that year. 
Yeah, that would make a lot of sense, actually. It comes out of the weird time, too, because it's like the album came, the original album came out, I think, in January, like earlier in that same year. January 2015, yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. Okay, so that's actually a really quick turnaround. Yeah. And a strange one, too, because it's like they could have done remix album drops like a couple weeks later. But the fact that it's 10 months later is like this strange thing like it's not that it was an 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 afterthought but it's like they clearly didn't think of it when they were putting out the first album you know Mm -hmm. yeah also especially my memory of the abap release like how drawn out it was Mm -hmm. where you had singles dropping for like months and months and months you know and they were doing all that press for like big hero six and centuries and immortal and the three music video releases for irresistible yeah yeah oh my god the like endless versions of centuries mm. too or immortals sorry um <laughs> like the slightly racist one they have to remember that one remember remember that classic uh classic fallout boy version of uh immortals that had that that jingling little sound oh I yeah don't. <laughs> Never i don't remember that Oh, what a time it was. I think I was too busy trying to find the version in Italian so I could learn the fucking language better. <laughs> but another thing that speaks to how rushed this maybe was is that the first, when they announced the remix album a week before its release, it came with the first single, which was the Migos remix of Irresistible. That came out within a week of the Demi Lovato remix of Irresistible. Yeah, why not? Mm. Is that that's not on here, right? No, no, it's not. But but that's the thing is like, why would they release another irresistible remix at that same time if they had planned it in advance? Do you think they like forgot that they were letting Demi do that? <laughs> I don't know. They made a whole music video for it, but they also made a whole music video with some dog. They made so... a music video for oh. anything. Oh, on um on the Wikipedia page for Make America Psycho Again, the irresistible with Demi Lovato is listed as a Japan and Spotify bonus track. Mm. Oh. But not in America for some reason. But but that's kind of the thing. is like, they put out the Demi Lovato remix. Obviously, it wasn't intended for Make America Psycho again. So I think no. they just said, let's throw it on there. <laughs> what a time. What a cultural time. So, that's a different follow-up I saw. <laughs> The the next one is Immortals with Black Thought, An- another breaking of the mold in that Black Thought uh, had done 14 albums with The Roots by this point. Uh, a real crazy amount, like, range of people on this. Yeah, yeah but, but it's another case like Azalea Banks, where it's, it's Black Thought doing the feature, but the producer is B-Weezy, who's another, like, Atlanta mm-hmm. trap producer, like, like... It, it, it again kind of calls into question the idea that that they just sent it to them and like work with whatever producer you want but it yeah. also could be again that black thought was like i want to work with or i mean black thought wasn't really doing solo music at that time so it was like i don't know you did birthday song by two chains why don't you come do it yeah this was the point where i was like i got to favorite record and i was like okay there's one more track on this record and then immortal started and i went there are two more tracks on this record mm-hmm. <laughs> I always yep. forget about Immortals. I forget time. about Immortals because I, I think it's the same song as Irresistible. <laughs> when I was trying to explain the different remixes and I could Irresistible and Century Straight, like, make different music. 
that I mean that one that one kind of song really worked for them on this album. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, we're gonna only write about being centuries old. I yeah. I get uh. to I I get to Immortals every time, and I always forget that Immortals is on here because in my head it's just the Big Hero Six song. Yeah, mm. and then it started playing, and I was just like, damn it, okay, there's Immortals now. I, I, I think I like Immortals more than Irresistible or Centuries. Like, like yeah. I, I, I think it has a good hook. I think it's got, like, a fun energy to it. I like the electronic yeah. stuff on it. But it's like, when you reach this point of the album, you don't want another one of these. No. <laughs> yeah. I like it, but out of context. Mm-hmm. I wasn't on the episode where you guys talked about ABAP. So, you know, this is all just entirely me. But I, I do feel like these remixes have made me sour on the original album retroactively. <laughs> yeah. Which is an album that I do have like a lot of nostalgia for and fondness for. Yeah. But like it has made me pay attention to the structure of the album, the fact that there's three songs that are super redundant, the lyrics, which don't really hold up, um, don't provide a lot of material. That's the thing. It it strips out the production element of the original album and it leaves you to consider like the writing and the vocal performance mm-hmm. and and you know how the songs kind of work on a bare bones level and uh, more than a few of them kind of don't yeah yeah black thought of course crushes it <laughs> you know i, he's I not really gonna... like this remix <laughs> he's, he's not gonna sit it out he he definitely even by Black Thought standards, it's like he's not really trying, but it's the best verse on the album also. <laughs> yeah. It was a good verse, but I was so tired of the record by this point that I was, like, zoning out. It's also yeah. interesting because I think he's, like, maybe the only person in their verse who actually references, like, the real world, period. Yeah. Yeah. He he justifies the album title. <laughs> yeah. Well, that no that's one else what I was thinking about. To. Because you have Ferg at the start, say, like, Ferg running for president, and so it feels like there is this awareness of the the loaded gun that is this album title, but no one is doing anything about it. Yeah, I I, I think OG Mako kind of talks about, like, you know, uh, he has, like, a, a mention of lynching in his verse, and it's like, okay, so that's something. But, 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 yeah, it feels like some of them... It feels like they were all given, like, the same- they got the same email, and, and they just had to kind of do what they will with it. Mm-hmm. But I like his verse a lot on this. I like the remix. Um, it feels very, like, 2009 hip-hop. In a- mm. Do you know what I mean? I feel that, like, yeah. Like, not super this moment, but more, like, older, kind of, like, Jay-Z- I don't know if that's like the best touchstone for it, but it's just like it's really bringing me back to like the late aughts um, in the kind of production. Yeah, yeah, and I think I I totally get what you're saying about the production, like not feeling of its era of of its week the way that so much of the production mm-hmm. on this does. It feels a little different. It doesn't feel the last week of October 2015. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though the lyrics are the only one that feels very rooted in this specific moment. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's interesting to have that sonic versus lyrical clash, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. And there's one more song. Oh we finally God. made it. <laughs> it's so long. Every time. It's it's so much. Um, the last song is Twin Skeletons Hotel in NYC with 
Joey Badass. I never realized, we literally did an episode on this album, I never realized that Skeletons was with an apostrophe. (laughs) I was like, why is it with an apostrophe? (laughs) I have to believe in my heart of hearts that was a typo that made. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's the same way as that they they put the fucking exclamation point on Panic at the Disco. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck it. They were, just, they were just like, okay. And Zaytoven comes back to produce this one. This time with Joey Badass, which is interesting mm-hmm. because Joey Badass is more of like a an old school, like, you know, New York kind of grimy sounding guy. He doesn't really do the trap thing that often. And so I think... It's like, we're coming back to the end of the album, and this is another, like, this is so a Zaytoven beat. Like, you could switch this beat and Mm -hmm. the Irresistible Remix beat, and it'd be hard to tell the difference. But Joey Badass, who, you know, is good, and, and, you know, is adding, I think, more to the song than a lot of the the features on this Mm -hmm. album do. But it's just, it's not only a clash between this rapper and the producer they chose to work with. The, The producer's not just trying to do their sound and fallout boy sound it's it, it's trying to get this triangle of joey badass and zaytoven and fallout boy it, it, it almost works even less even though it's like yeah. one of the more cohesive songs on the record yeah this track was interesting mm-hmm. partially because i was like okay we can be done now uh yeah but also the fact with just the way that it sounds on his on Joey Badass's mm-hmm. first like post chorus, the way that the voice sounds on Missed Her and Kissed Her is just so weird. Mm. And I'm sitting there, I'm he kind of throws his voice almost. Yeah, where I'm like, why are mm. why are you doing that? Interesting. I actually like how he's delivering his rap a lot, um, or his verse. Like, I do think he's doing interesting vocal inflection, which is something I always, that's something I like uh, in a rapper. Um, Like, I like when they're modulating their voice interestingly. Yeah. And I was thinking about that because that's part of what I really like about Amelia, and she wasn't doing that on her verse. And so I'm like, okay, Mm. Mm. someone's doing something interesting here. But also, the specific way he's doing it, combined with the beat that they put on this, and the fact that it's like a song about skeletons, does make it sound like a Halloween remix. A little bit. <laughs> no, there's literally like the choir underneath his verse. Like that's mm-hmm. so. Ch- <laughs> this song would make like the greatest backing for a Saw AMV. Like that's what this should be played in. Oh, um, gotta get that grimy ass bathroom in there. <laughs> yeah, this this song is from the Book of Saw for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the outro on this one. It kind of uh, you know mm-hmm. fades out in a different way. I think I think the yeah. the original album is kind of abrupt. Just yeah. not not just on the song, but like the whole way through. This one, I kind of like that. It's like you can take a second to be like, okay, what did I just <laughs> experience? Yeah, it's such a weird song to end the original album on. Mm-hmm. Um, no, generally, I felt, like, I felt like it worked. I don't know. It, it's a, it, I like the song, but it's out of step with the the overall vibe of the album in some ways. I think. Mm-hmm. I I still stand by Fall Out Boy having very strong concluding tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like remember the concluding tracks pretty well, and this is one of the ones where I'm like, okay, here it is. We got it. We're mm-hmm. we're at the end of the record now. But it's it's always yeah, the I second th- to last one that I'm like, where are we? Yeah, I feel like. 
in my mind, it sort of occupies the space of a bonus track. And part of that, mm. ag- again, is how it's kind of different from the rest of the album. And part of it is like, I don't know, they use the cover art for their greatest hits album. And maybe that kind of plays into it. Like, like, like I, I think of that song connected to this era, but not necessarily to like ABAP as an album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. This album is just, the, the remix album is just so bizarre. It is a weird thing and a strange time capsule again i think the most interesting thing about it maybe is those couple tracks where you have these soundcloud rappers and you have these people who are like like a little before we start like like again if this was like two years later you'd have people like lil uzi and xxxtentacion mm-hmm. and lil peep who are doing that more like clearly rock influenced okay. sound mm-hmm. um not that I would ever want to hear, not that I would want there to be a Fall Out Boy and XXXTentacion song out there in the world, but... <laughs> no. oh. <laughs> There's a universe, it's just not this one. But I, I, I think if they had waited a little bit, it would have been like, this is this crazy cultural nexus, it probably still wouldn't have been a good or memorable album, but there's something kind of interesting about how, like, before those rock elements really took over the genre, you can see, yeah. like, the nascent forms of that on this. Yeah, I I was thinking so much about how, like, you know, Rico Nasty comes on the scene, like, mm. a couple years after this, and, like, even Doja, you know, has a degree, or at least she's more pop, but, like, she's been trying to do rock and stuff, and, like, there is... Mm. There's people in 2023, like there's a lot of rappers in 2023 that I think would be a much better fit for this than um, even just waiting like more than a year to do the remixes, I think would have been interesting, like letting that album sit for a minute and having people come back in. And like, if, you know, I think, I think Pete said that the ones that he was, that, that he picked for this were people like, I, I, you know, he picked Uzi, he picked Migos. I think if he had... If, if they had waited a year and consolidated, like, what kind of rapper they have on the album. <laughs> yeah. I think this year was the year that the Donnie Trumpet album came out, Surf. Um, yeah, it was. I don't know if, yeah, which was, like, this huge collaborative album with a lot of people connected to the Chicago rap and, like, neo-soul scene. And, like, I think a lot of the people on that album would have been really cool to bring in you know like there's like kind of local rap scenes that it would have like if you chose a True. scene to stick with yeah and and if they had done like a like just chicago rappers i think there would have been a lot of really cool stuff with that i mean there there's connective tissue there where it's like you were talking about people mm-hmm. like rico and doja and i think you can sort of see how like picking azalea banks at this time is a little bit tapping into the the prototypical idea of that and gabe you know was doing the soundcloud from uzi was doing the soundcloud rap thing at the time but now he produced on whole lot of red and like the ken carson albums and like um the the one artist on this record who fallout boy works with again after is mcconan on Mm. on i've been waiting with with lil peep they almost (laughs) they almost found something that would have been musically interesting yeah and what they end up with is something that is interesting in music history, but almost unbearable to listen to. Yeah. I, I, while we were, you know, talking, I had pulled up the album on Spotify to play some stuff. And I, I, I what, okay. The highest number of plays that any song in this album has is 21 million. 
Mm-hmm. For centuries. Damn. Mm-hmm. If you go to the original album, the mm-hmm. highest number of plays is also for centuries, and it is a billion. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the drop-off between these two, I think there's such a reason why. Like, like the idea of a remix of centuries, let alone one with a very commercial, popular artist like Juicy J, having 21 million streams <laughs> coming out of it. that time is insane. And that's it. I didn't remember this existed until you texted me asking me to be on a podcast about it. I, it had been wiped from my brain. <laughs> I always knew that it existed, but I literally had never listened to it until two days ago. Um, yeah. The thing is, my brother is a massive Fallout Boy fan. I texted mm-hmm. him when we started this recording and said, hey, did you ever listen to the Fallout Boy remix album? He has never listened to it. He has listened to everything. <laughs> I obsessively followed the release of the album. I had I was 14 years old. I had about $100 to my name and all that shit was going to Fallout Boy Records and I had never ever in my life listened to this album until 2 days ago as well. Mhm. Yeah, and I think like it's it's certainly not good and Fallout Boy was clearly not very involved in making it. But I think if you are like a Fallout Boy completionist, there are a couple things worth listening to on here. Mm. I I do think also, I, I think a lot about how Travi McCoy's big mission was to make emo kids cool. Mm. And how emo kids did not fuck with that. And Jim Class Heroes is criminally underrated Jim as a Class result. So and I think underrated. that... Mm-hmm. I think that just frankly, emo kids have such a disdain for rap. Yeah. And especially true. at this point in time when it's like the height of 21 Pilots popularity, Oof. I think there's a kind of elitism uh, elitism that probably excluded uh, this from the Fallout Boy audience. I think there's also probably racism that excluded this from the Fallout Boy <laughs> audience. Um, Absolutely. Like that's, that's what I think when you said the thing about Pete Wentz being like, these are people our audience probably doesn't know about mm-hmm. is less like cultural relevancy and more kids in Illinois, uh, you know, <laughs> right. from Winnetka. Like, <laughs> Very kids in Illinois. Uh, I think there's definitely that. And it's, it, there, there's an element of, the record doesn't sound good and and has a sound that is very different from the Fall Out Boy sound such that if if that's your scene, you might not get much out of it. There's definitely an element of, like, when you talk about why people who were very into Fall Out Boy at the- like, like, Fall Out Boy fans of the time may not have even heard of this, uh, that, there, there's definitely, I think, a, a, a racism element to that. I know for myself, I- did not listen to the remix record specifically because of the title. Yeah, that'll do it too. <laughs> there's a lot. To- yeah, it's. <laughs> there's a lot of poor taste going around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the title of American Beauty, American Psycho was already a little challenging um, mm-hmm. yeah. to me personally. Not-, not like it's not problematic to be clear. It's just like not a super great title. Yeah. Um, it's two movies. Okay. It's two movies. Um. Make America Psycho again. Just every part of that feels it gets like worse it's as like, it goes. I hear that title, and I immediately in my head there's like a tulpa of Jared Leto's Joker <laughs> in the room with me. <laughs> That's so true. He's trying to mail you a rat. <laughs> He's trying to mail me a rat. I think that was also 
year, right? That was also 2015. Yeah, I uh, think so. Squad came out in 2016, so he was mailing the rats at this time, probably. <laughs> He was listening to Make America Psycho again. He was licking the envelope. (laughs) Listening to Make America Psycho again. Going, hmm, this Century's remix is really good. How twisted. He licked the stamp, too. He didn't have to, but he did. (laughs) Oi vey. Oi vey. So what have we learned? Um, Bad album. Not good. For sure. 2015 was a long time ago, and it turned memory does not stretch that far mm-hmm. mine does but like it just kind of sucks obviously in the po- it, it like so much for stardust is not an album that could have a remix album no um it is in so many ways dated to the specific day mm-hmm. that it came out <laughs> like not just mm-hmm. culturally but also with what fallout boy was trying to do with it yeah Very yeah to the day and I think it's the kind of thing that I love to explore on this show is things that were relatively recent are, you know, part of ongoing pop culture, like phenomena and conversations, but are just totally memory hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really, we just don't want to remember this one. We don't really want to remember Mania anyways, but this weird little middle cousin is not yeah. super. Would you say that we have made America Psycho again? <laughs> I don't want to. So. I mean, like, <laughs> I'd rather not say me, it. I'd rather not. not. I'd rather not say it, but like, I just did. In many ways, there's so little information about this album that I tried to reach out. Not only did I try to DM Pete Wentz, <laughs> I he answers DMs sometimes. He does sometimes, but I also emailed DCD too. <laughs> <laughs> To try and get them to, to to give me something, they did not. But we we are resurfacing this album now. So Pete, if you if you see this, uh, come on the show. We can talk about whatever. Pete, if you're out there, <laughs> Pete, come back to Illinois, brother. I know you're ready for it. We're not gonna jump you. <laughs> We're not gonna jump you, Pete. You're safe here. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining me. This has been uh, yep. an incredible journey. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone who's been listening as well. Uh, if you like the show, you can rate or like or whatever it is, wherever you're listening to it. You can also uh, share it with your friends, let people know you like it. That's one of the best things you can do. I'm thinking of maybe taking December off from the show because I'm moving and I got some other things going on, but uh, we'll see about mm-hmm. that. Next time, there will be an episode, and that is about all I know at this point. Woo! We love an episode. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. I disagree, Gary. I disagree, Gary.